You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a Friday edition of Locked On Giants. I'm Ed Valentine, joined today by co-host Pat Trena. Pat, we have a uh, a game Sunday against the, the Carolina Panthers, one that the Giants really desperately need to win. Lots to talk about today, so how you doing? Doing great, Ed. Uh, big game is, is probably an understatement. How about a huge game? Oh, you know, we we could use that. We could use just about any any term we wanted. I mean, Pat Shermer said the other day, and, and I suppose it's football coach speak. You know, but it's really true. He said there there are no tomorrows for the Giants if they if they fall to uh, to one and four. You know, if if the season isn't already done at this point, if they fall to one and four, then you know we know the season is done. Yeah, it's gonna get really really ugly if they lose Sunday and and you know it's interesting because you know you were in the locker room this week I was in the locker room this week everybody is kind of giving off a sense of calm almost to the point where you know if you didn't know any better you'd, you'd say where's the sense of urgency and I, I, I don't know I mean I, I don't know how to get a read on this team it's like I'm sure the sense of urgency is there but they're a little too calm, I guess, for my, my liking. And I can't quite explain it because, you know, I'm not saying they should be going, oh, my God, running around, you know, like crazy or stuff like that. It's just it's just you know how sometimes you can walk into a room and you can feel the intensity. You can just feel the buzz and the electricity. I I didn't feel that this week. And I hope, you know, I misread the, the scenario, but uh, we'll, we'll find out, I'm sure. No, I get where you're coming from on that, Patty. But the interesting thing is, you know, it, Pat Shermer is a very calm, very steady, you know, very just plow forward week to week sort of individual. And, and I didn't, you know, when I was in the locker room the other day, I mean, I, there weren't any alarm bells going off in my head that, you know, this team is this team is 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 down and out. I guess maybe, you know, I'm just reading it as the team reflecting, you know, the the sort of even-keeled personality of its head coach. I'd like to think that's what it is, um, but, you know, at, at the same time, you can't, you can't turn everybody into robots. You can't make it I, – I don't think you can necessarily have everybody on the same wavelength. There are going to be different degrees – so I don't know. Maybe I'm just overreading the situation. I hope I am, but uh, you know, I hope come Sunday they come out. You know that they're, that they they play the intensity with the intensity that they need, and they they finally figure out how to you know stop that that zone read option, um, and, and and figure out a way to get the ball down the field a little bit more than what they've been doing. Well, you know, Patty, before we before we actually start to talk about the Panthers. I think we both realize this is a, a largely new Giants team. It has a new general manager, new head coach. I think roughly 60% of the roster is new. you know. But the reality of it is a lot of the guys in that locker room, a lot of the key players in that locker room have been through this with the Giants for the past few years. And, and I don't know if you become... 
numb to losing or used to losing or resigned to it. You know, but you really and truly hope that with all of the changeover that the Giants have gone through, you really and truly hope that that, and we've seen it before, you and I have both seen it in that locker room in past years, you hope that we're not seeing that already in 2018. Yeah, that would be not a good thing. You know, look, I, I get it that it's a new system, a new team, you know, a lot of newness, but you also have a lot of guys in that locker room who they're not, you know, this isn't their first rodeo. They've been there and done that. Like you said, you know, you have a lot, they brought in a lot of guys who came from winning programs, Alec Ogletree, Nate Solder, you know, Jonathan Stewart, um, you know, th- they brought in guys that, that, that were on playoff teams. And you just kind of hope that they keep everybody, you know, focused, that they they don't lose faith and they just keep playing and, 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 and having the patience, you know, to, to have it all come together. Now, whether or not it all comes together to save the season, that's another story. And, you know, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, because we interact with the fans and we love you guys, by the way. But, uh, you, you know, that if they lose Sunday, um, Twitter's going to be very, very ugly to be. Patty, like I always tell you, you know, during games, stay out of your mentions. <laughs> you know, just focus on the game. Stay out I, of your mentions. And, you know, I, I, I get I the do. angst. I really do. I get it. You know, but, uh, and like, like Patty said, we love you guys, but, you know, sometimes you just, you just have to live in the, uh, you know, in the world of reality and you can't change everything overnight. I've actually done a good job staying out of my mentions. So for all you fans who have asked me, why don't I respond during the games? You can blame Ed for that. He told me to stay out of my mentions and focus on the game, and that's what I've been doing. So if you really want me to see something, make sure you tag it as P-Train. Otherwise, chances are I won't see it until well after the game is over. I did do that, didn't I, Patty? I did. Yeah, because you're to blame. You're I to am. Blame. I am. I stay out so, of my so own direct, mentions. So direct, direct your, your ire towards Ed. <laughs> He's the reason why I don't respond during game day. Oh, there you go. All right, Patty, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Carolina Panthers. And these are teams, you know, starting with Dave Gettleman, that there's a lot of crossover between these two teams. The, the leadership, you know, the coaching staffs of these two teams know each other very, very well. Um, you know, so there there shouldn't be, you know, a whole lot in terms of surprises, you know, from these teams on, on Sunday. But, you know, once again, you know, we, we look at a game where the Giants are going to Carolina. They're going to be a heavy underdog. They're going to have to basically play a perfect football game, you know, to have a chance to win this thing at the end. They're going to have to be assignment sound, uh, execute some patience. I mean, they've got a tough, tough customer in that Carolina offense. And, you know, we'll break it down in just a moment. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I was writing my preview for the athletic that should hit tomorrow. And the more film I watched on that offense, the more I thought to myself, my gosh, they better 
have some answers for, for what the Panthers can do because, you know, we saw Dallas and how Dallas, you know, used that uh, zone read and just kind of picked the Giants apart. And, you know, Cam Newton is, you know, he, he's, he's one of the best at it, I think. And, you know, you throw in Christian McCaffrey, who who's a two-way threat, and it's just, it, it's really a tough, tough situation. Now, what's good about it is that the Giants look like they're going to get a couple of key starters back on defense. It looks like Eli Apple will be back after missing a couple games with the groin injury. It also looks as though Olivier Vernon will make his 2018 debut after missing, you know, the first four games with the the high ankle sprain. So, um, hey, you're going to need all hands on deck for this team. Yes, you are, Patty. You know, and it's it, it will be good for the Giants to see those two guys back on the field, especially Vernon, who hasn't played yet this year. Um, you know, the Giants really could use his presence on the outside. But let's talk about that zone read for a minute. The Giants, you know, plain and simple, you know, from Dak Prescott all the way through last weekend to Taysom Hill, the backup quarterback for New Orleans, the Giants haven't defended the zone read well at all. And even when they have defended it well, they haven't tackled well on the outside and they've managed to give up yardage. And now you're staring at Cam Newton, who's, what, 250 pounds and probably runs the zone read better than anyone else in the league. So it it's a scary proposition, you know, because I, I can't imagine that, that all of a sudden the Giants are going to figure out, you know, how to defend that play. You know, it, it comes down to one thing. It, it comes down to the defensive front and the linebackers working together. All right. And uh, just based on the film that I've seen so far, and I looked at the Dallas game, I looked at, you know, the plays last week with Taysom Hill. Um, I, I even went back into the preseason uh, to look at some of the stuff. And, and it, it, you know, right now what you're not really seeing is the, the linebackers and the defensive line working together on those plays. So what happens is, is okay, there, one play I dissected just to kind of give you a sneak peek was one where, uh, against Dallas, where Connor Barwin was lined up as the outside rusher. And he just burst into the, the, the backfield, unblocked. And you could see on the tape, you know, and I, I have a clip of it on, uh, I found a clip of it. You can see that Dak Prescott saw that coming all the way and right away made up the, his mind to keep the ball and run with it. And meanwhile, you can also see on the tape some of the linebackers just kind of standing there going, uh, you know. So that's what I mean when I talk about, you know, they need to work better together. They need to, you know, have each other's back. And and I don't think it's, you know, a matter of them not having each other's back on purpose. It's a matter of, you know, if if, if my defensive end is going to rush and into the backfield in the hopes of getting a, a tackle for a loss, I as a linebacker have to come up and I have to be ready to make that play. Otherwise, you know, that quarterback is going to get into the, to you know, well into the second level. And you also mentioned, Ed, you know, the tackling on the outside. And it's interesting because on the play I, I broke down, you could see guys not getting off the tackle. You know, the, on the particular play in question, Landon Collins was locked on 
by the uh, or locked up rather by the by the tight end, and Curtis Riley just you know came into the picture kind of late, but not before there was a 13-yard gain to be had. So these are all things they have to clean up when they play, you know, or before they take the field against the Carolina Panthers. Otherwise, Newton's going to shred them. The other thing about the Carolina offense that we have to talk about is the the usage of Christian McCaffrey. Now, I'm going to be honest, you know, going back a year, you know, I was looking at Christian McCaffrey, and at the time I know the Giants now have Saquon Barkley, I was looking at Christian McCaffrey as a weapon that would have looked really nice in a Giants uniform. And I look at the Panthers this year I don't think McCaffrey ran the ball very well last year they used him primarily as a pass receiver and I don't have his numbers in front of me but it seems like Norv Turner and the and the Panthers this year have figured out how to use McCaffrey both in the running game and in the passing game you know very much similar to to the Giants and, and Saquon Barkley and it's a huge, huge challenge, you know, for the Giants, you know, to handle a player like this. It really is. You know, I guess you could say, you know, look at how you would handle Saquon Barkley. And it's interesting because you remember from the spring and in the summer how every time Saquon Barkley got isolated against the linebacker, he, um, you know, he beat them. And that's my concern with uh with McCaffrey now I have a feeling you know a lot of people say well you know Alec Ogletree and and BJ Goodson need to be uh, on their marks with this guy I think you might see more of Landon Collins down in the box you might see more of um Ray Ray Armstrong you know just just to protect against the possibility of the run or the pass with McCaffrey you want to get guys who can cover in addition to you know playing that run um you know B.J. Goodson is, is is a fine young player, but his his coverage skills still not quite where you you know you could say he's an every down player for them. So I I just wonder if they're gonna you know like I said put more of a Ray Ray Armstrong and and Landon Collins down there to to kind of you know keep an eye on things with McCaffrey. Patty, let's take a short break for a word from our sponsors. Then we will come back and we will turn our attention to everyone's favorite topic this week, which is Eli Manning and the struggling Giants offense. Hey, Giants Nation. Need a little extra swag for game day? Loci has got your back with their brand new game day collection. If you haven't heard this name before, well, let me tell you about Loci. Their high-quality bracelets come with an amazing message and support incredible causes. The Loci bracelet comes in giant's colors and holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. It's a daily reminder to keep balance in life between the highs and the lows. Since Loci is friends of the Locked on Giants podcast, they are offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets. Visit loci.com. That's L O K A I.com and use the promo code Giants25 to take advantage of this amazing deal. 
Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here on Locked On Giants, and we are previewing Sunday's game between the Giants and the Carolina Panthers, a game that, that sees the Giants go on the road with a 1-3 and record, game they really need to win, um, you know, in order to, uh, to, to have some sort of a reasonable chance, you know, of having a, a successful 2018 season, you know, record-wise. Uh, Patty, you know, and, and we, we've talked about it a million times probably already. You know, Pat Shermer says very simply, we need to score more points. But, and I've, I've kind of ranted about that this week, but you simply cannot win games consistently in the NFL when you score 18 points a game, when in three of your four games you haven't gotten to 20 points, when you rarely if ever threatened the 30 point mark so if if the Giants are going to have any chance to be a good football team in 2018 they need to find answers on this offense and they need to find them soon they sure do I mean right now what's going on with Odell Beckham Jr how they've turned him into a possession receiver is almost criminal given you know the amount of money they're paying him but you know something Ed I mean you look at what the Giants have done on offense, and, and this is just an educated guess here, but, you know, and I hate to, you know, to, to keep going in this direction because I know people think I'm an Eli Manning, Manning apologist, but I do really try to tell you, you know, what I see and tell it the way it is. And while I, I agree that Manning needs to play better, I wonder how much of what we have seen so far is a result of the scheme I think it was you who made a comment and if it wasn't you I apologize to whoever it was but someone made an observation that Case Keenum of the Broncos finally threw a legitimate pass of over 20 yards I think you know in his last game and that um they went back you know whoever it was that told me that again I think it was you it was said me, that Patty. Yeah, it, was it was you okay see <laughs> so it was a good observation the point being is is that you know he hadn't thrown a pass of over 20 yards when he was with the Vikings you know when Shermer was the coordinator so it makes you wonder now is Shermer teaching or stressing to Eli Manning hey let's go with the shorter safer throws for the sake of running up the percentages, the pass completion percentages, and we'll worry about the yardage by simply getting the ball into the hands of our guys underneath and then letting them run free. And I think, you know, again, I nobody's going to sit there and tell me that that's definitely what they're doing, but it sure does look that way. It really does, Patty. And, you know, the interesting thing of it is efficiency is nice. Completion percentage is nice. Um, when you look at the overall numbers, Eli's completing, I think, 72 or 73% of his passes. It's far and away a career high. He's on pace for more than 4,000 yards passing this season. A lot of those numbers look nice. And and Eli and, and Pat Shermer and everyone has said over and over, we can score points. You know, and we can get big plays by throwing the ball underneath and by, you know, by doing those kinds of things and by, by trying to get the catch and run kind of stuff. And yeah, you can, but you still have to challenge defenses. 
you still have to make them adjust to you. And the thing that has bothered me is for two years with Ben McAdoo as head coach, for two years we heard, well, defenses play us a certain way and we can't challenge them vertically. You know, we have to throw underneath. We have to take what they give us. You know, and, you know, Pat Shermer came in to fix this. And I'm not saying that he can't fix it or won't eventually fix it. But it's bothered me in the last week to continually hear, well, they're playing soft zone against us, so we can't challenge vertically. We can't throw the ball down the field. We have to accept the pass underneath. You know, you have Odell Beckham. You have Saquon Barkley. You have two of the most dynamic players in the NFL. You have Sterling Shepard. When he's healthy, you have Evan Ingram. If you can't, with that group of weapons, you know, figure out a way to challenge defenses, to make them play the way you want them to play, then shame on you. I agree with you. I mean, that infuriates me. When, when, when they, you know, that's passive. I mean, that's almost like saying, well, you know, they're not letting us, so we're going to back down and we're going to have to figure out another way. Whatever happened to you setting the tone, you dictating, and you putting the defense back on their heels? I mean, whatever happened to that? That seemed to, to have gone out the window when, when you know, Gilbride and, and, and Coughlin left. You know, I've made this point multiple times, Patty, when it's come to the Giants offense and and everyone wants to kill Eli Manning. And you know what? There are times when, yes, he deserves to be criticized. You know, we've had Mark Schofield, you know, on the show and we've had Mark look at at tape of Eli and analyze him on Big Blue View. and, And you and I have both done it ourselves. And yes, there are times when it appears that the ball could or should, you know, go down the field and it's not going down the field, you know, but it's not all on Eli Manning. You know, the the thing that, that I've said is in the Kevin Gilbride era, and, and I remember it's it's kind of funny because people couldn't wait to run Kevin Gilbride out of town or into retirement or, or, or whatever, But when you look back at Eli Manning, Eli Manning was a better quarterback overall under Kevin Gilbride than he's been since that time. And the difference was there was an aggressive, we'll live with a mistake once in a while, but we're going to get the football down the field and take a shot attitude. You know, it's my feeling that for five years now, four years under Ben McAdoo, and this year with Pat Shermer and Mike Shula, it's my feeling that he's that Eli Manning is being coached not to take risk. He's being coached to throw the football underneath, you know, and and take whatever the Giants can get. And the problem with that is the Giants just aren't scoring enough points that way. Right. And again, the the problem with that is it's passive. You know, football is, a, is an aggressive sport. I'm not saying go out there and be reckless, but at some point you've got to go out there and you've got to set the tone and the tempo. And right now, I don't think that offense is doing it. And that bothers me. It bothers me too, Patty. Like I said, they have the weapons to dictate with. And 
they're not doing it. You know, at some point, you've got to say, look, we have to stop protecting our offensive line. You know, we have to stop saying, well, our offensive line isn't going to hold up long enough for us to 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 do a seven-step drop and throw the ball down the field. Or, you know, we can't throw the ball down the field to, to Odell Beckham, you know, if he's covered. You know what? At some point in time, you have to throw the ball down the field when it's a 50-50 shot. You, you, you're paying him more money than you're paying anyone else in the league, you know, than any other wide receiver in the league is being paid. If it's a 50-50 shot, take it. Absolutely take it. I mean, you know, will you have a mistake here and there? Absolutely. But, you know, like you said, you'll never know unless you try. You just might hit a few of these things and you just might end up scoring more than 20 points. And who knows? Maybe if you get lucky, maybe even more than 30 points. So I I just don't understand. I mean, if this is, is indeed related to protecting the offensive line, then goodness, I, I don't know what, what to tell people. It's, it's, it's a shame at this point. It's just, it goes back to, you know, you can do what you can, but you're never going to fix a unit or a team in one off season. And Dave Gettleman's been here for one off season. I'm sure he's looked at this team and he said, he said to himself, I still have work to do on that offensive line. But at some point, you have to say, okay, where is the strength? And maybe we play to the strength while masking some of the weaknesses with some of the blocking schemes that we do. You know, maybe getting the tight end involved or just something in order to give Eli the time he needs for a seven-step drop and and, and the opportunity to throw the ball down the field. Patty, before we forget to do this, let's take our final break. Then we'll come back. We'll offer some final thoughts on Sunday's game. Uh, maybe even on the uh, on the Eagles game, which is coming up, you know, next Thursday, and and on what we see, you know, for the Giants for the rest of the 2018 season. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trainer here with our third segment of our Friday Locked On Giants show. We are looking ahead to Sunday's game against the Carolina Panthers. And, and Patty, you know, before we went to break, you started to hit on something, you know, that that is the reality. The reality of the situation, you know, spinning away from Sunday's game. The reality of the situation is the last time that the Giants were a real championship contending really good football team was when they won the Super Bowl in 2011. They've made one playoff appearance, you know, since that time in what 7 years now. And it and and they lost the only playoff game, you know, that that they played in. They've had numerous losing seasons. I think 4 of the last 5 have been losing seasons. They come off a 3 and 13 year and you know, Carl Banks said a few weeks ago, you know, that the reality of the situation was that they just didn't have NFL talent on that roster a year ago, you know, with the exception of a few players, you know, like Odell Beckham and a few other guys. It just, I think we were all very optimistic and we all bought into the, 
oh, they're in win now mode, you know, because they're staying with the 37 year old quarterback. And yet, the reality of it is, you simply cannot rebuild a roster that's been degenerating, you know, for for five or six years. You can't rebuild that in one off season. No, you can't. And and you know, I I've said this so many times. I've written this so many times. I know people, you know, they say to me, "What do you have against Jerry Reese?" I like Jerry Reese. He's a good man, you know, a family man, but he destroyed this franchise. He and Mark Ross with their with their gambles and their on their draft picks and and the non-moves that they didn't make. I mean, I've written this so many times and I'll say it again. When you don't draft well and your draft picks end up not even finishing out their rookie contracts, now you have to go out into free agency and spend a lot of money, overspend, if you will, on mulligans. And we've seen this over and over and over. And it is not a way to build a football team because now you end up losing guys that you maybe want to keep. You know, a good example, a few years ago, they lost uh, Linval Joseph in free agency. Why? Because they had made a decision, I think to, I think the contract they chose over, over Joseph was, was John Beeson because they didn't have anything at linebacker. So this is the problem that, that, you know, the poor drafts has created. And this is the reason why I think the Giants are, are you know, have gotten into this predicament that they're in. The cupboard was left bare, and now Gettleman has come in. I think he realizes that. I mean, look, I mean, anybody can see what the situation is. It it doesn't take an NFL GM to see that, that, you know, what has gone on over the years. And now Gettleman is going to need a couple of years at least to fix this and get them back on the right track. And, you know, this, this talk about winning now, well, what did you expect the coaches and the players to say? Did you expect them to say, oh, we're rebuilding, we're not going to win much? That would have really set the fan base abuzz. So naturally they were going to be optimistic. But, you know, there's there's optimism and there's realism. And sometimes, you know, when you you can be optimistic, but in the back of your mind you're thinking to, miss, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to be optimistic for the sake of, you know, telling people – what they might want to hear, but realistically, I know that, you know, it's not going to be that way. And and I know that can be deceiving and, and fans, you know, there are some fans out there that want to hear it the way it is, but you got to remember, they have a product to sell. They have a, you know, they have to put fa- uh, fannies in the, in the seats. And, um, you never know. There have been NFL teams that have come in with a new head coaching staff, a new GM and have turned it around in a year. But, it all depends on how much they have to actually uh, address from one regime to the next. And, and quite honestly, as I've said numerous times, and as I say to people you know, who say, oh, they should trade for this guy and this guy and this guy, you, if you're one player away, yeah, you make a trade. This team is not one player away. No, it's not, Patty. And you know, as you were talking about you know, draft choices and this and that, I was thinking also about you know, over the years about some of the free agent mistakes that have been made, because, you know, when you went, you know, when you go out and you have to spend that money, you know, you, you don't always get it right. And, and, and I'm not going to belabor, you know, this choice and that choice 
that was made, you know, by the previous regime. Although I will say Andrew Whitworth should be a New York Giant. Um, you know, I I will just kind of throw that in there, <laughs> but I know, I agree. You'll get no argument from me on that because Andrew Whitworth is a better player than Nate Solder, and he probably cost about twenty five to twenty seven million dollars less. But mm-hmm. but let's let's move on from that. Um, when I look at this Giants team as it is currently constructed, a work in progress, a team that has a lot of building to do. You know, our Dan Pizzuta at Big Blue View did a look at the rookie class that posted this afternoon. You have a rookie class led by Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, Lorenzo Carter, and B.J. Hill. That is a nice start to reconstructing and pointing the Giants in the right direction. You know, and, and if you can have another draft like that, if you can have another free agency period where you're able to bring in you know, some useful players. And no, you won't always get it right. You'll have occasions where you misjudge a player like Jonathan Stewart and you make a mistake. You know, those things happen when you have to dip into the free agency pool. But what I really wanted to get to is with this current team, there is, in my mind, a path for this team to win games. And it requires... Odell Beckham, I think, today spoke about the Giants not having been able to find the balance on offense at this point between using Saquon Barkley the right way, getting the ball to Odell Beckham, getting the ball down the field enough. They need to find that balance quickly because offensively, if this team, it's a very narrow path, but if this team is going to succeed, they need heavy amounts of production on a week-to-week basis from Saquon Barkley. They need big plays from Odell Beckham that they haven't been able to create. They need turnovers on defense like they were able to create against the Texans. They need enough pass rush, you know, like they also had against the Texans, you know, to 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 impact the game. There's a very narrow path. They need production in all of those areas. And they need not to shoot themselves in the foot with penalties and plays that go backwards. If they can't do those things, they're not going to win enough football games. How about that? Odell said what I've been saying all along about balance. How about that? Maybe I do know something, huh? Maybe, maybe, Patty. You know, maybe a I little don't, something. I, I don't think necessarily that Odell was was speaking, you know, directly about well, we need to run the ball 50% of the time and we need to pass the ball 50% of the time. But they need to find ways, and they really haven't been able to do it so far this year, ways to get impact plays in a game from both Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. You know, we've seen instances where Barkley has made some big plays We've seen games where the Giants have gotten the ball to Odell Beckham a lot, even if it's even if they haven't gotten, you know, the big impact game changing play. What they haven't been able to do is get a big game from Barkley, get a big game from Beckham, get a big game from Eli Manning all at the same time. And if they can't do that, then they're gonna really struggle to win. 
I agree. And, and you know, the way you do that, first of all, to, to only run Saquon Barkley 10 times in a game, I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, I, I, I've written this a, a couple times this week. By the half, I think the Giants, the score was, what, 12-7 last week? And the Giants had passed the ball 16 times and only run it, I want to say, eight or, or seven times, something like that. I just don't understand what the thinking is there. And, and, you know, Pat Shermer has said, I've got to, you know, I wish I had called more runs. And my, you know, my question to that is, why didn't you? You know, I can sit there and say, well, I wish I had, I had cleaned my, I don't know, I cleaned my office. And, and, you know, my husband will say, well, why didn't you? You, you, it was there. You could have done it. There was nothing stopping you. And I, I just, I, I don't get it. I really don't. You have this, collection of talent and you know to not take advantage or full advantage of it is just it, it, it's it's criminal to an extent you know what i think happens sometimes patty i think that what happens is it's very simple to call running plays there's a certain number of running plays and it's not you know you don't have in your game plan for a given week you don't have 65 running plays you might have eight or ten and i think that what you know i think you know largely eight or ten that you might rely on and i think part of what happens because we see play callers from you know from andy reed ben mcadoo when he you know when he was giants coach you know we see good coaches and bad coaches we see all coaches all play callers when they fall behind, whether it's by by seven points, whether it's by ten points, they lose patience and they forget about the run. And, and part of me thinks that what happens is, well, you've got a handful of running plays on your on your play card, and then you've got for a given game plan. Say you've got a hundred plays in your game plan, you've got seventy five or eighty passing plays. You know, in your game plan, different things you want to get to. And you're like, oh, I haven't gotten to that one yet. Let's try that one. I haven't gotten to that one yet. Let's try that one. Let's try that one. And you forget about turning around and handing the ball off. They drafted Saquon Barkley for a reason. And it's not just so that he can be, you know, a shiny little decoy. And it's not just so they can throw him a check down pass once in a while. Turn around and hand him the football. The biggest play they made last week was a 28-yard run by Barkley. You know, turn around, hand him the football. I've said this multiple times and written it multiple times. Hand him the football 15, 17 times in a game, and all of a sudden you're going to find an extra safety in the box. You're going to find those corners and safeties playing a step or two closer to the line of scrimmage. You're going to find guys respecting those play action fakes for a half a second longer and then maybe you'll get your shots down the field exactly i mean look i i always like to bring up a quote from vince lombardi and i'm going to paraphrase he used to say i'm going to do something you know i think in this case he was talking about running the ball i'm going to run the ball until you figure out how to stop me and it's a sound, you know, it sounds simple, but it's a pace, you know, it's it's a good strategy. If your run game is working, 
why would you move away from it just because you're down by less than a touchdown in a game, you know, as they were last week? It just it makes no sense. And, and you know, like you said, have, you know, throw the run. Don't become don't voluntarily become one dimensional. It's bad enough that in the past, you know, the Giants didn't have a running game and they, they were forced to become one dimensional. But they're basically doing it themselves now. And it's quite frustrating to see. Sure it is, Patty. And the one thing that we have seen from Saquon Barkley is we have seen he may not be the world's most efficient running back, okay? You're going to hand him the football and you're going to get a one-yard gain or you're going to get a two-yard loss or you're going to get a seven-yard loss. You're going to get a long string of nothing a long string of unproductive plays. But if you keep handing him the football, you're going to all of a sudden get that 30-yard run, that 40-yard run, that 50-yard run. You're going to get, sooner or later, a couple of those difference-making plays, those plays that, that everyone is gnashing their teeth you know, trying to wonder, you're wondering why Eli Manning and Odell Beckham can't create them. You're going to get them if you hand the ball to this running back often enough. Sure you are. I mean, it, you got to be patient. I, I, I get the sense of urgency. You know, we were talking about, you know, the sense of urgency that I, I thought maybe wasn't always there. And, you know, maybe it shows up on game day with, with them, you know, being less patient and sticking with the run. But it's it's such a crucial part of the game. It's it's one thing if you know you, you don't have a guy like Saquon Barkley who can move the chains, um, or your offensive line is just absolutely not having a good day to where the, where you can get any kind of push whatsoever. But you gotta at least try. I just I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to mix it a little bit better than what they've been doing. Well, hopefully, Patty. Hopefully, as uh, as Mr. Miyagi said in in the Karate Kid, hopefully. The Giants will eventually find that balance and everyone will be a whole lot happier. With, with that said, I think we, uh, we, have, uh, we have beaten on this topic you know, for, for quite a while. Uh, you know, we have a, a big game coming up for the Giants on Sunday. Uh, we'll call it a show for today. We'll be back next week, uh, probably on Monday, to, uh, to review uh, what happens in Sunday's game. So we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye now.